As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage in Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a cult tied there, which nobody has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks why you're doing this, tell him the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied to a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, Why are you, What are you doing untying that colt? They answered, as Jesus told them to, and the people let them go. When they had brought the colt to Jesus, and they threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, whilst others spread branches they'd cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and followed, who shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he coming. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. This is where the Lord. Now I hope each of you has a palm cross, do you? Yes, I've got one too somewhere. We're going to be singing an, a couple of songs now. And you like to take a seat? wonderful to uh, see us all engaging in Palm Sunday and uh, thank you to Louise for beginning to unpack some of the meaning of that and um, it is today that we celebrate and focus on and think about what Palm Sunday means in our church's calendar. I wonder what it means to you. A few years ago now when Heather was little, when we were living in Wolverhampton, Tim and I can recall having one of those um, slightly confusing conversations that sometimes you have when children are little and they're they're trying to tell you something and Heather knew exactly what she wanted to tell us, but we were struggling to keep up. Whilst she was enjoying her breakfast, she inquired about somebody called Rosanna. Rosanna, who is this Rosanna? Is she the good one? And... um, We were confused. We don't know anybody called Rosanna. And um, Heather kept repeating the same question over and over again, and each time getting a little bit more cross that we didn't understand. But eventually, thankfully, she explained. We were talking about it at school, she said. Jesus was there, and all the people were cheering for her. Rosanna! which is just a lovely, it's one of those memories that we've, we've got and we'll always uh, treasure and the penny dropped, thank goodness, at that moment. Hosanna. And we then asked Heather what she thought the word meant and what people were doing. And uh, Heather thought that it might mean, hello Jesus, it's good to see you, which um, I love. But this morning we're focusing on one of the final things that happened, the final events before Jesus' death. 
And it's the calm before the storm, if you like. And it stands in real contrast to what will happen soon after. And it's a a story, an account that we can see written and we can read about in each of the four Gospels. But each writer tells the story rather differently. Not to contradict each other, but just to allow that different slant and a different focus. And we hear this morning a story told to us, an account of one that's told without any comment because he invites us as the readers to enter into it, to understand and to see for ourselves the depth of meaning in it and the significance of it. And that's what I want each one of us to try and do now this morning. We hear that Jesus and the disciples enter the city of Jerusalem with a large crowd of people. They're on their way into the holy city to join in a religious celebration, most probably the Passover. And today, over the years, we've come to imagine this story as one in which the crowds had gathered because of Jesus. They were there especially for him, waiting for him to arrive, lining the streets. But the reality is, when you read the commentaries, that this was a group of people getting caught up in the moment, most of whom, many of whom, not really knowing exactly what was going on, not knowing who Jesus was and the significance of it all. Only those who had been following him and those who'd made the connection with the ancient Hebrew scriptures that this was indeed fulfilling what had been promised about the king coming to his people, humble, gentle, riding on a donkey. But those present, the crowd, were certainly enthusiastic, overexcited even. They did and said all the right things, rolled out the red carpet even, spreading their cloaks and the branches ahead of Jesus. But there is no indication that actually they understood the real significance of what is happening They waved their palm branches and they cried, Hosanna, meaning save now. But in reality, these were the right words to say on an occasion such as this. The crowd were simply doing what was expected of them. And only days later, some of those same people would be crying, crucify him, crucify him. And I wonder whether we've had an experience of this ever, of getting caught up in the moment, getting caught up with the crowd. Have you ever seen a crowd of people and kind of got caught up in that and not really known what was happening and what it was you were doing? And what about in our lives as Christians? Are we getting carried away with the crowd there? Can we get carried away with the crowd? That's the first question I want to ask us all this morning because it's possible to go with the flow, to come to church, to get involved with activities, to be a part of the crowd, to say and to do all the right things without actually considering really why you're here and what it actually means to you personally. What would we say if somebody asked us actually about the Jesus that we believe in? What does he mean to us personally? 
and what difference does knowing him mean to our lives and make a difference? How does it make a difference? That's the first question I want to ask us this morning. For those few people who did have an inkling that Jesus was this special person that they'd been waiting for, for the king they'd hoped and prayed for, this triumphal entry into Jerusalem must have been very special. But just maybe as they thought the time was here for him to claim his authority and to come and take over in power, what happened? Days later, he was dead. He allowed himself to be arrested and nailed to a cross. Jesus was not the kind of king that many people had imagined. People expected somebody to come and be really powerful and for that power and might to show its way in a very obvious way. They had a certain idea of what a Messiah should be. But this person of Jesus is very different and must have gone against the grain. The people had made it clear what they wanted. They wanted a physical freedom from Roman rule and to be free of that but probably had no idea of actually the kind of freedom that Jesus had actually come to bring. And so the second question I want to ask each one of us today is, what kind of king do we know? Because during Jesus' life, when we read about that in the Gospels, his life and his ministry, we see that he was unpredictable. He didn't do the things that people expected. He didn't act in the ways that people expected And some people found that really difficult. And still today, we can have our own idea of actually what we think Jesus is and how we think he should be at work, whether that's in our own lives or in the situations and lives of those people that we love and care about or in situations in our world. We can still today have an idea of how Jesus should be. And when he doesn't act in that way, we can be left disappointed and we can struggle but maybe today our prayer needs to be Lord open our hearts to allow us to see you more and more for who you truly are and to see you at work in my life even when that's in a way that I don't expect and um, to know that God is at work and Jesus is at work for good and that we've been promised that but to see that Jesus knows what he's doing and to allow him to be in control. So here is Jesus on his way into Jerusalem and he's one amongst many others going the same way. So does he choose to blend in with the crowd? You'd imagine, wouldn't you, if he knew what was coming, that he might have been tempted to kind of, you know, sneak in the back way and keep a low profile. But no, Jesus is a man on a mission. He knows what he's doing and he has a plan. He knows where he's headed. He chooses to ride on a donkey and to enter into the city that way. It's all been planned before and nothing goes against the plan that has to be worked out. And it's interesting, it's the only time that Jesus is said to have ridden rather than walked and it's coming right at the end of his, his journey. And why does he need to ride now? But he does that to show that he is indeed the king that has been promised. Jesus is determined to accept his fate. 
because he loves his people and he longs to save them. And therefore, he's willing to be obedient and obedient to death because of his love and his compassion. He longed for God's kingdom to break in on earth. And that desire is still the same today, that his kingdom would break in, that those around us in our community would see something of Jesus' love for them. And I don't know about you, but sometimes we can feel quite insignificant, and insignificant as Christians even, one amongst many, and as though it's quite difficult to stand out from the crowd and to make a real impact. But the challenge is for each one of us that actually we are called to stand out. If we're Christians, we need to stand up for what we believe and we need to show that we're different because of that. And so that's the final question for each one of us this morning. Are we prepared to get noticed, to stand up and to stand out because of what we believe in the way in which we live our lives and the choices which we make? So I leave us with that thought and the challenge, maybe this week, to do something, some small thing, just to get us noticed noticed for all the right reasons, noticed because of our love for Jesus. Maybe have a think about one thing that you could do this week and, um, and do something to show how much Jesus loves the people around you. Maybe invite somebody round to your house who you know doesn't get invited out very often and spend time with them. Maybe when you go to do your shopping, try just paying for, I don't know, some flowers or some chocolates for the person who's in the queue behind you. Just something to make people ask questions and to ask you why you've done it. Bake a cake for a neighbour. If you're at work, maybe do a bit of your colleague's work without having to be asked. Pay for someone's meal in a restaurant. There's loads of little practical things that we can do that actually allow us to stand out and then allow us to say why we've done it. And it's quite a brave thing to do, but it's wonderful if you've ever tried it. And um, I do encourage you to come along on Thursday if you do any of those things this week as part of our Lent challenge to come and share those stories and um, the conversations that you've had with people because of what you've done. Supernatural power and they wanted him to use it to save Israel from Roman rule. Others had loved ones who were sick or dying. They waved branches hoping for physical healing. Some were onlookers, merely looking for something to do. While others were genuine followers who wished that Jesus would establish himself as an earthly king. Jesus was the only one in the parade who knew why he was going to Jerusalem to die. He had a mission, whilst everyone else had an agenda. Following on from what Kate has been saying, what's our reason for waving our palms? Are we grateful to him for saving us? Are we caught up in the crowd? Or are we willing to stand out and make a difference? We realise that Jesus' next few days were going to be ones of terrible suffering. His crown was made of thorns and his throne was to be a cross.
he suffered and he died for us. But we're in the privileged position to know that he was raised from the death, from death a week later. And he's conquered our sin and he's conquered evil. And now he offers us new life. I wonder if we can stand and sing some songs in response to what we've heard. And praise God who has saved us. Whether we expect the unexpected from Jesus and whether we are willing to stand out for all the right reasons. And so one of the ways that we can do that is when big things come along in our lives, like a change of work or a change of direction, that we hear from each other and we're able to support one another in that. Now, two people in our church community who faced uh, and face uh, big change at the moment are Judy Ellis and Simon Jones, and we're going to hear a bit of their uh, story uh, from recently now. They're going to come out. So would you give them a warm welcome? I'm sure they're absolutely quaking in their boots. <laughs> come on. Do take a seat. They're not the usual comfy stools. Somebody's, no. somebody's stolen my interview stools. Can you believe it? Can the person who's done it? Yes. No, I'm only kidding. Oh, I'm just kidding. Now, oh, I'm all tangled up. So, ladies first, Judy, um, at the end of the last school year, you, you gave up teaching full-time. Why was that? Um, about a year ago, almost exactly a year ago, I had an opportunity to go and do um, forest school training. Um, for you, those of you who don't know what forest school is, it's basically... Um, education outside, um, having the classroom in a woodland or in um, a wild area or a space that's, that's outside, um, often done on school sites, sometimes done in um, big woodlands um, around here, a place like Cantlop at Condover is one example. And it was really on that training that I completely fell for everything that it had to offer in terms of um, progression and education and life for children really it was out of the confines of the four square walls of the classroom and I just I was just passionate about what it could do for an awful lot of children not just young children but I could see the potential right through into adulthood and I decided that that's what I wanted to do full-time brilliant so you decided that yeah but you didn't just decide that and go and work at one that's already existing no how did how <laughs> did you take that forward then well, I handed my notice in in the summer term and I finished at Christmas. Um, I'm in a really fortunate position that my parents are farmers out on the Telford side of Shropshire. So um, I was able to beg a nice 40-acre wood, which is really lovely. <laughs> Um, but like Pooh Bear then that's what I did really begged my 40 acre wood with a lovely lake at the bottom and um, I've taken it from there really it's taken a lot of clearing and sorting because farmers are not very good at maintaining woods in fact they're absolutely rubbish at it so it's a very <laughs> neglected wood and needs a lot of work but we've been working the last couple of months and my sister's been helping my family so it's been brilliant brilliant and you've called it Reekin Forest School I have why Reekin? um well, the Reekin's an obviously a notorious landmark over on that side um, of Shropshire. Um, it can be seen from here. It can be seen from nearly everywhere, really, can't it? And I think it's just, it just says everything about um, what, what we know of Shropshire, really. It's just a statement of Shropshire, the Reekin, and Reekin Forest School kind of fell in line with that, really. Brilliant. And how are you hoping to live out your faith in that 
in that place of work, in that project, and, and with all those people and children that you, that you meet with? Well, the first thing, every day going to work in a woodland is just like the best job in the world, isn't it? I'm <laughs> on a sunny week like last week, you can't be in a better place. And actually, I love all weather except kind of non-weather. So I don't care if it's pouring with rain or deep in snow. There's no better place for me than being out in it. I just love being mm. outside. Um, so that's the first thing. I, I couldn't be happier than being outside. I'd do that over housework any day. Um, I'm passionate about kids. I'm passionate about learning. And I'm passionate about getting children back outside and off computers and off Playstations and back into a world that God created. And I think you couldn't ask for anything better than you know the forest school concept and having a woodland and you know god is in it it's just it's it's lovely to do and i'm passionate about what i do and so therefore i just want to be the very best i can be every day that i do it whatever age the people are that come through brilliant so judy if for your church community here uh, what is the one thing that we can uh do to support you and, and pray for i think it's just praying that people People catch the passion. In Shrewsbury, we're really fortunate in that the Shropshire County Council are equally passionate about Forest School. Telford and Rekin haven't caught that fire at all. Um, they're a long, long way behind. Um, I'm talking to them and they are talking back, but it's a slow process. Mm. So it's convincing them that it's a really good way forward. There are a few rural schools in that area that are doing it. But also, I really want to go beyond school. I think it has so much more potential um, mm. than just limiting it to key stage one and mm. reception at primary school. So, pray for but they catch the fire, really. <laughs> catch yeah, the pray that people catch the, the vision for it yeah. and, the, and the passion and, and it goes beyond where it is at the moment. Yeah. Okay, well, will you commit to pray for that for Judy and support her and ask her about it? Uh, great. Judy, thank you so much, and we'll pray for you in a moment too, and pray that God really blesses you in it and, and continues to lead you as he has done already. So, well done you. Simon. Tim. Um, I was going to say several years ago, uh, so I'm sorely tempted to, but just a few weeks That's ago, fair. you had an eventful 40th birthday. Yes. Why was that? What a great party. <laughs> Is that what you're thinking of? <laughs> well, it was a you're great thinking, party, yes. You always <laughs> mentioned the phone call I had in my, yes, in the morning. I had a very unexpected phone call in, in the morning from the, the Bishop of Litchfield who said, uh, actually, we'd like you to come and work with us. Yes, and to work and do what? To, to do what? To, be, to work as uh, chaplain and communications officer. For the Bishop of Litchfield. Bishop of Litchfield. Yeah. That's marvellous. It's a strange title. Strange now, you've been, you've been praying and, and, and waiting for permanent work now for uh, two or three years. What's that been like? Uh, it's, been, it's been very difficult. I mean, I've had nearly 20 years, I'll make you feel old now, Tim, uh, in a fantastic industry where I've been able to see and go to amazing places, meet amazing people, work on some amazing programmes. Um, and the, the sort of realisation that Actually, in the Midlands, it's not an industry that's thriving. Mm. Um, if I could be political, you know, the, the decimation of BBC Birmingham has done nothing for anybody in this, this industry. The recession hasn't done anything for anybody mm. in this industry. Uh, I suppose it's almost been like a, it's been like a bereavement, really, trying to uh, accept that uh, something else, something is going to change and mm. working out what to do next. Mm. Now, obviously, Vicky, yourself, the whole family... Yeah. Um, all of us uh, and many of your close friends, we've been 
mm. praying that God would provide yep. uh, a permanent post yep. for you, even if it was <laughs> um, the most unexpected yes. uh, thing, the thing that you di- didn't even think. And we've had several conversations about this. I know uh, with, with Steve and others we've had that conversation. Did you ever expect, I mean, you sort of think about the unexpected, did you ever expect that you would be the Bishop of Litchfield's chaplain and no. communications officer? No, I've been passionate for the last well, for many years, that you don't have to work for the church to be a good Christian, to be a good witness. And actually, I've been trying to avoid it like the plague. Mm. Um, Haven't we all? (laughs) I've not done a very good job You've not done a very good job of that, Tim. But um, (laughs) uh, some of you will know that I have been working like the plague to try and avoid working for the Church of England. Um, And now I find myself at the the heart of of the diocese. Um, (laughs) No, I didn't expect that. Uh, And like most people, I kind of thought you had to have a dog collar anyway to be a chaplain, but apparently not. that's good. Remind me of the question again. So, no, that was a good answer. That's a good answer. So di- what are your hopes for, what are your main hope for this post? Uh, it's a slight change for the diocese. They're trying to combine two different posts. I think it could work really well. Um, but my, my main thing on the, on the Anglican side of it is, uh, is wisdom. I mean, the Church of England is a strange beast. Um, we're all very... Uh, most of us are very comfortable in, in, in this kind of church and we'll be just as comfortable in the Baptist church or Barnabas or mm. Spring Harvest. Mm. Um, and we're all, uh, uh, we're all sort of like friends in that sense. Um, but we're also part of the Church of England, which is a bit like having great Aunt Matilda with her very strange ways. Um, you know, lots of different churches with different histories uh, and different ways, of, different ways of expressing their worship. So mm. getting my head around some of the more arcane elements of the Church of England is going to be... Mm. Difficult. Yes. But it is, uh, wisdom, I think, is the main thing. In our and you, is that question. what you'd like us to pray yeah, for? Wisdom. wisdom. Need wisdom. Okay, brilliant. So let's pray then. And let's thank God uh, for his goodness. I'm just going to pray for you both. And will you join me as we pray for Simon and Judy? Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, leading Judy into this new opportunity. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for the vision you've given her and the passion. And Lord, we pray that other people, particularly in uh, the area of Telford and Rekin, would catch this vision, that you would inspire them with it, Lord, and schools too. And Lord, that it will go beyond uh, the primary school remit that, uh, that can so benefit. But Lord, so many young people would benefit, and others too. And so Lord, we pray that you would be uh, leading this project forward, and you would empower and inspire Judy and all those who work with her. Bless this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. And Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've provided uh, Simon with this uh, job, this post, uh, in such an unexpected way. And Lord Jesus, we've heard this morning that you are the unexpected King. And we praise you uh, for this surprise. And, and yet we see you in it. And so we pray, just as you've called and drawn Simon to this post, that you would go before him and alongside him. And that you'll grant him your wisdom, Lord, in the breadth of our church, in all its diversity and difference. That you'll grant him wisdom and understanding. And that you will empower him with your spirit to serve you today and always. Amen. Thank you both. Thank you, Louise. So, Palm Sunday. Is it past, present or future? We've been thinking about Jesus coming into Jerusalem as King of the Jews. 
we've thought about Jesus coming here today to be king of our lives. But Jesus is coming again one day, we don't know when, to be our judge and to take us to be with him in heaven forever. I wonder if we could stand now and just say 